Happy Dad's Day to all the fathers. Man, what a, what a special day for, uh, for those of us who are fathers. Uh, I want to th- thank uh, Pastor Carlos. Uh, man, do you not love our pastors? Do we not have the best pastors? <laughs> Pastor Gus, Pastor Carlos, Jordan. I mean, we got Panos. We got some really good guys, man. I love these guys. These are men of God, and, and I love spending time with them. And so thank you for the privilege uh, to be here. Um, well, I have, I have three adult children. Uh, we, have, uh, uh, we have my daughter, Amy, who, who, who's, uh, who, who comes here also. Uh, she's a, a very proud of her. She a, she's a, has a doctorate in nursing. She works at the University of Miami uh, serving first responders. All right, I'm really proud of her. And, and, of course, I have Andrew who's here. Andrew, a lot of you know Andrew. Andrew is the, uh, the BCM director at the University of Miami, right? Andrew, all right? And then, uh, then, then we got our middle son. He's different. Uh, our middle son is a major in the U.S. Marine Corps. And uh, I'm very proud of him, but he's just different. And I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a military. I, I, I have no military background. And so it was really our first uh, really kind of look at how the military life is. And so he's married two kids. Right now they're traveling from North Carolina to Kansas as he gets a new assignment. And so it's just observation. If I've noticed that, uh, that serving in the military, and most Americans like to salute our veterans and those that serve, but we don't know the cost of serving our country. There's a huge cost for, for the family. So I just kind of think it's three general costs that, he's, that they pay for. Uh, it's cost them their residence. You know, they're constantly moving around. They're being new assignments. And so, uh, you know, they don't stay one place very long. In fact, they were at North Carolina for three years and had to sell their house, and now they're off to Kansas, and from Kansas, they'll go somewhere else. Uh, it's also cost him his reputation because, uh, honestly, he, he doesn't do a lot of, uh, he, can't, he can't be a part of our family function. Last night, we, yesterday, we celebrated uh, our, our, our Andrew's uh, youngest child's birthday, and we couldn't be there, you know? Now, where's, where, where's, where's Adriel? Well, he's, 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 he's traveling, right? And then also relationships because, because, of, the, because of the residents and moving around and reputation, can't go, go to places, well, that's cost us relationships, right? He doesn't have a lot of friends. And so there is a cost to serve in the military. But listen, I want you to know something very clearly as that if you are a Christ follower, salvation is free. There is no cost for our salvation. But listen to me, there is a cost to, to, to following Jesus. And so today we're going we're gonna to learn about that cost. And, and we've already read uh, Luke chapter 9 verses 57 through 62. So let's enter into prayer and then we will learn about this cost of following Jesus. Amen? Are you with me? All right. It's okay to get feedback. I'm, I don't get, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a shy person as you can tell. Let's pray. Jesus, first of all, thank you for being the, just the greatest savior that anyone could ever have. Lord, you are so loving. You paid the cost for us to be able to have eternal life and to have abundant life on this earth. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, as we uh, learned this morning that uh, Christianity is not easy believing just because salvation is free. It's actually very costly. And Lord, we pray that today we would leave here different as we have come in, impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this we pray in the holiest, highest name of all, the name of Jesus. Amen. 
You know, we live in a society that promotes and worships convenience. We like our comfort, right? So here we are in this really nice uh, theater, right? It's nice and cool. Is anybody hot? Nobody's hot. We're nice and cool. Nice seats. Don't fall asleep, all right? All right, we're just, we're just real comfy here. But let me tell you something. Right now, as we are in this comfy uh, auditorium, theater, there are countless thousands and maybe millions of other Christ followers are worshiping Jesus under a tree or outside in the elements in a place that is not as desirable as what we have here. Uh, uh, there, 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 there are those that, that are not experiencing the gospel because we, the, at the end of the day, we as Americans and we as Western society, we like it easy. We like our life to be easy. Many of us were, were trained uh, to share the gospel by, by listening to benefits. In fact, you probably heard those preachers on TV that, you know, that, you know, that they'll just say, man, you come to Jesus. Man, all these things will come. You'll get all these things. You'll be rich. You'll be powerful. You'll have everything you want in life. You know, I, uh, I turned 65 this past April. And this is where you say, man, you don't look like you're 65. Can I get a can I get an amen? All right. Wow, this is this is a kind, kind group. 65, and so when you turn 65, you go to see the physicians more often. Jordan, you have no idea what I'm talking about here. But see, now I have a cardiologist, I have a urologist, and I keep on adding ologists to my to my physicians that I go see. And, and when you go see a physician, uh, you normally come out with some type of medication because they always find something to give you. And so, you know, if you go to the routine, you go to your local uh, uh, CVS or Walgreens, or in our case, we get Express Grip. Uh, you know, you get your medication, and it's in a bag. You open the bag up, and there's a huge folder in there. You know what I'm talking about? And you, and you open that folder, and it starts listing why your physician possibly gave you this medication. And it will give you all the positive things that this medication can do for you. But if you keep on reading like I do, uh, there's a section that then says all the negative or possible negative effects that it can cause. And so it will say things like, uh, this medication may cause vomiting. This medication may cause, excuse me, diarrhea. This medication may cause, it, it, it keeps on, um, you know, keeps on getting like, you know, more, more, more intense. This medication uh, may cause blindness. And you keep on reading, it says eventually this medication could possibly cause death. Why am I taking this, right? And so it lists the positives, but also the negatives, Right? Well, I find it interesting that nowhere in the Gospels do we find Jesus, listen to me, nowhere do we find Jesus trying to sell himself to others. He's not a salesman. He's not trying to in some way convince others uh, to uh, somehow get his slick advertising promotional thing. No, he doesn't do that. In fact, on many occasions, on many occasions, he actually, he actually uh, made it quite difficult for people to follow him. Our passage this morning deals with one of those occasions. In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, Jesus tells us that to follow him might cost us three things. So in the time that we have remained, remaining here, I want to share with you 
three possible costs in following Jesus. Are you with me? I need, listen, I, I, I have an inferiority complex. I need feedback. All right, I just got to know that you're with me. All right? You're with me. All right. Here's, here's number one. Number one, A may cost us, ready, our residence. Following Jesus may cost us our residence. Let's go to verse 57. As they were walking along the road, and man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, the first man that Jesus encountered was already a follower of Christ. In fact, he was walking with Jesus, the Bible says, right? Now, listen to me. Back in the day, uh, rabbis, unlike us, didn't preach from a pulpit or from a podium. They actually taught outside. They actually had a following. And so Jesus had a church, if you will. And that church was a moving church. Uh, Jesus was walking. And he would, he would be teaching. And that's why we see in the Gospels where Jesus gives so many examples and illustrations. A mountain or a flower or a tree, right? He, he, he's pointing out things as he's illustrating so this is, a, this is a walking church. And, and this man was a member, check this out, he was a member of the church that Jesus pastored. Wow, can you imagine? Imagine getting into conversation with people who say, well, what church do you go to, right? And you say, well, okay, well, listen, I go to the church where Jesus is the pastor. Wow, what an amazing, what an amazing comeback, right? So this man was a member of this church, and he belonged to this church, and, and he's walking along, and, and, and in a moment, uh, of a spiritual high, maybe uh, all of you experienced one of those emotional highs, right? In the middle of a, of a worship service and the spirit is moving and, 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 and all of a sudden during the worship service, he just yells out with his hands raised. He goes, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Well, the man probably should have first asked, where are you going, Jesus? You know, even hitchhikers, Ask that question. I mean, no, no hitchhiker is going to get in the vehicle with you uh, without knowing, hey, where, where, like, where are you going before I get in the car with you, right? Jesus was, listen to me, Jesus, if you read the Gospels, Jesus was on the road to Calvary. Listen to me, it was a hard and brutal road. It was not a comfy road. And Jesus, who had this large church and had this following, who had all these people that were with him, would eventually get to the end of this journey, to the end of the road, all alone. No one was with him, not even his disciples. They abandoned him. And he's there all alone at the end of this journey. And that's why in, in verse 58, we, we read that Jesus res, replies or responds to this man. He says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, Jesus acknowledged that God created residence for all his critters. All his critters, foxes and birds and, and all types of animals. Yet the Son of Man had no place to call home. We have an older home in Miami. We got, we got one of those homes that were built in 1955. Now, the advantage of buying an old home versus a new home is that if you buy an old home, you're getting a big yard. And we got a big yard. In fact, I got trees in the backyard. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a wahido, right? I like, I like, uh, I like uh, trees and I like plants and I, I like, you know, kind of pass it off for my dad. So we got a mango tree. By the way, if you want mangoes, come see me afterwards. I got plenty of mangoes, right? We got, we got banana trees. We got, I love bananas. And I just planted, I just planted a, a California Haas avocado tree. 
So in a few years, we'll be getting avocados. But here's the thing. In my backyard, we got critters. We got all types. In Miami, there are critters. We got squirrels. I hate squirrels. Squirrels eat my mangoes. Those, those creatures go up there, take a bite of the mango, it falls down and it hits the ground, and you got a mango that was bitten by a squirrel. Who wants to eat a mango eat, bitten by a squirrel? No one. Not only do we got squirrels, we also got iguanas. Is there another nastier creature than iguanas? Iguanas, they, they, they eat everything. I planted a, a, a little mulberry tree a few months ago, and this iguana came and ate my tree alive. We also got possums. And we, yeah, we got possums. And, and we got, I'd say, we got rats, because in the, I, see them in the, I can see them sometimes in the, in, on, the, on, the, on the electric lines going up there. We got all types of critters. But we also got birds. We got birds. And in fact, in my area, we got parrots. We got a peacock. We got all types of, I mean, exotic animals uh, where we live. But here's the thing. When I'm in my backyard in the evening, we got a porch, and I like being back there and sitting back and just enjoying my backyard. You know what? You know what happens? I don't see any of those animals. I don't see any of those critters. Where did they go? You know what Jesus said? They got homes. I don't know where they live, but they live somewhere, right? And that's what Christ is saying here, that that. God created places for these critters to live, yet he had no place to rest his head. You see, following Jesus, listen to me, may cost us our residence. Jesus left his home in heaven to come to earth to die on a cross for our sin. Listen to me, Jesus was living the comfortable life in heaven. Jesus was at the right hand of the Father. Jesus was, was with his Father. He was enjoying being, being God. And yet, it was decided, and he agreed, and he went, he came, and became extremely uncomfortable to become one of us and to eventually die the most gruesome death that anyone could ever go through. It cost Jesus his home to follow the will of the Father. And why would we think that it may not cost us our properties to follow Jesus? Cost, following Jesus may cost us our residence, but secondly, I propose to you, this passage says that following Jesus may cost us our reputation. It may cost us our reputation. Now, the second man on this, in this passage wasn't on the road with Jesus. Where was he at? He was on the sidelines. Do you know any sideline Christians, right? The ones sitting in the bleachers, watching the game go on? Well, this is the guy. He's sitting on the sideline. This man was observing Jesus, and, and for some reason, Jesus felt compelled to ask him to follow him. Now, notice the excuse, or there's a response, in verse 59. He says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty reasonable excuse, right? Go bury my father. But much has been written about this excuse. In fact, all of our pastors here have written countless accounts in our commentaries about what probably was occurring in this man's life. The father of this man probably was not dead. He was just very old. 
It was a religious and social and family obligation to provide for one's father. It's not like today that they place parents in the old folks' home. Elders were highly respected and valued. It was a society that placed value on older people, unlike us today. When you become 65, you become an old man, right? People just look at you like an old man. But not in doing this time. They were respected. And, and by the way, funerals, check this out, funerals were like a really big deal. It wasn't like a few-hour deal. It was like weeks of, of having a funeral service for the, uh, for the deceased. It was such a big deal that uh, there were professional criers that were hired. Can you imagine? How many of you need a new business uh, strategy, right? Jay, I, I, know, I know you're kind of a business guy. And this is, here you go, man. I think this would work in Miami, by the way. I think you can start a business in Miami, and, and you just, well, your job is just, you're going to go to the funeral homes, and you're going to bring professional criers. And you're going to go there and cry and weep and wail for the deceased. Man, I think you can make some serious money. But that was the business they had, right? He's thinking, I can tell you, man, your, your wheels are, are going there, right? So, so this, is, this is the kind of environment, this is the kind of environment that this man was in. And so not to provide for his father or, or to arrange for his funeral would have cost, let me, would have cost this second man his reputation. In other words, his concern was, what will people think of me? Now, you think about that. Isn't that the battle that we have every day? As we're trying to live out our faith every day, what will my boss think of me? What will my coworker think of me? What will my neighbors think of me? What will my family think of me? I'm, I am sometimes, we're more concerned about what people will think about us versus what Jesus is thinking about us. And that's, and that's the, the wrestling that's going on here. Look at verse 60 as we continue. Jesus responds to him. And he says to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus' refusal to accept his excuse is a striking example of the radical, listen to me, the radical transfer of loyalty that he demands. It's not easy believing, folks. Jesus demands loyalty. And Jesus does not allow anything to stand in the way of the kingdom of God, not even his own family. That's why he had so much issue with his personal family while he lived on this earth. Even Mary, Mary, the one, the one that many, you know, worship and, and have all these ideas about, even Mary, who knew better, who, who knew him well, on many occasions got in his way. You remember the, the first miracle in the Gospels? You know where it was at? A wedding. A wedding. It was at a wedding. And so there's a wedding. Jesus is there, and, 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 and his mom is there. And then you read the story. The, uh, the, uh, the wedding party ran out of wine. And so J Mary comes to Jesus and says, hey, son, uh, they ran out of wine. And he knew what, what she wanted. Right? Because he knew his mom. And she wanted him to make some wine. And he, what did he say? Woman, woman, you're, you're getting in my way here. Right? I'm not, I'm not quite ready to launch my ministry. But yet, for whatever reason, Jesus decides 
and he created the best tasting wine than any was ever drank, right? But she got in the way. But in other occasions, we read in the Gospels, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's healing. And man, and all of a sudden, Mary and uh, her sons, uh, Jesus' brothers, show up at that ministry, uh, at that ministry uh, camp, and, 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 uh, and they just got rumors that he was not feeling well. He, was, he might have been a little bit, been out in the sun too long. And they wanted to take him back and get him rested up because, uh, you, know, you know, Jesus, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of going a little crazy here, right? His mom, his, his, his own family, right? See, if you follow Jesus, listen to me, listen to me, you will be misunderstood by others. Not only did his family misunderstand him, but also the religious establishment misunderstood Jesus. Jesus was misunderstood by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And they constantly were jealous of him and, and, and battling him and, and, and challenging him and trying to trip him up. They, were, they, they just had this animosity towards Jesus. They actually hated Jesus. And then you had the government leaders that were influenced by the religious leaders and were told that this guy is a lunatic, this guy is causing division, this guy is going to be a problem, this guy is talking about a kingdom, he's trying to cause a revolution. And so the local government and the, and the federal government was called Rome. Man, they, they, they had their eyes on Jesus and, and just saw him as a threat. And eventually those that religious group and, that, and this government group ended up murdering Jesus, crucifying him on a cross. His own disciples, his followers, the ones he spent three years with just pouring into. Three years, taking time, explaining things. Even they misunderstood Jesus on so many occasions. Listen, there is no greater calling than that of proclaiming the kingdom of God. It is greater than family. It is greater than our nationality. It's greater than our ethnicities. It's greater than our race. It's greater than our political affiliation. Jesus is greater than anything and everything in life. It may very well mean that people will misunderstand you, criticize you, and scorn you when you follow Jesus. Following Jesus may cost us our residence. It may cost us our reputation. But thirdly, following Jesus may, possibly will cost you your relationships. Go to verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now this third man, after hearing the other two men dialogue with Jesus, said, I will follow you. Now, this guy should have known better. This guy had heard two conversations that didn't go very well, right? Yet he had the audacity to still tell Jesus, I will follow you. You know, when a positive statement is followed by the term or the word but, you know it's not going to go well. Let me give you some examples. How many, how many single men are here? Any single men? Don't be ashamed. Single men. Any other sing single men, Right? You know, in a, in a lifetime way, 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 way back in my life, I don't hardly remember. I was single once. I've been married all my life, it seems like, you know, in a good way. I'm going to terrify you. But, you know, but I can tell you, ladies who are single, how many single ladies? Single ladies? I'm not going to say that, that song, you know, when they do in the, in the uh, 
All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all right? I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be back, back, back to this place again. All right, so ladies, okay, see these single guys here, man, like when they, when they, had, when they sit, sit on you, man, when they, when they see you and they, they kind of like, you know, they, you know, they're like just kind of wooing you. They, you know, they, you know, it's hard, ladies, it's hard. Guys, listen, man, we, you know, we, you know, we just, we, we I put it out there. So, so they'll eventually get enough nerve and enough courage and they'll ask you out, you know, to that dinner and, and they got, they're spending money that they don't have. They put on the credit card, right? Take you to a nice fancy restaurant, buy you a steak dinner. And finally that, that, that poor young guy, single guy will just, will just, will just like, she'll just say, I, I love you. He just says it, I love you. And then she responds back by saying, I really do love you too, but as a friend, as a friend, I spent $85 on a meal for a friend, right? Oh my goodness, but never is a good thing. How, how about when, I mean, how many, I mean, if you live in Miami, you gotta have a vehicle, right? You gotta have a vehicle. I mean, it's hard to get around here in public transportation. Something some like Gus kind of do it, but you still have to have a vehicle, right? So if you have a vehicle, you know what, you know what you're going to get to know is, is, a, is a mechanic, right? You're going to know an auto shop. You've got you to gotta have a place to take your vehicle. So you're just making that funny, you know, car's making that funny noise, you know, and, and so you take it, to the, take it to the garage or to your favorite dealership, and, and the, uh, and the uh, mechanic comes out, you know, and he says, uh, hey, I'm going to let you know that uh, the engine of your vehicle is absolutely fine. But you need a new transmission. It needs to be replaced. A new transmission. You know how much that costs to replace a transmission? But you got to do it, right? But, but is never, a, never a, 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 a good thing, right? But. So look, look what happens in verse 61. The man responds by, what's, what, what does he say? Thank you, my wife said, but. She, she, she's, she's following me. I got one, one follower here. Doing good. And that's because she's married to me. She has no choice, right? But, yeah, he says, but, right? He says, but. The first thing, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. You know what he was doing? This man was qualifying his calling. He was trying to neg- negotiate with Jesus. Now listen, you're looking at one that for many years tried to negotiate with Jesus. I was called to ministry when I was 15 years old, and I didn't surrender until I was 30. And even when I turned 30, it took me another three years to let go because I was trying to negotiate with Jesus. I would, I would try to tell him, hey, how about I, 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 okay, how about I stay at this inner city church that I'm involved with, and I'm helping out. I'm, I'm the one, we're the ones giving the most tithe, the most money, and I'm serving, and this church, little church needs me. I'll just stay here, and, and we'll, be, we'll be good. But you know what Jesus said? That's, I don't need your money. I don't need, I don't need these things you're asking. I want you, right? And so, so eventually, I, I, I surrender, because when you try to negotiate with Jesus, it ain't never going to go well. So of all the requests, this one, in some ways, seem reasonable, right? But notice, notice the, what uh, this man was tr- communicating with Jesus, right? He was basically saying, Jesus, uh, listen to me. It, it's only take me, I'm just starting to wait, starting to negotiate, right? This is what we're good at, trying to negotiate with Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, uh, listen, it's going to take me a few hours, only a few hours, but I promise I'll be right back and I will follow you. 
Notice the response of Jesus in verse 62. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I am a city guy. I am not a country guy. I like the city. In fact, when I'm on the country, it spooks me, right? And when it starts getting dark, man, I get nervous, right? I start hearing the banjos. You know what I'm saying? I start hearing the banjos. I really do. In my back of my mind, and I'm, you know, like I start freaking out. You know, like I'm looking for, you know, some lights, any lights, please, a city, anywhere, right? I'm a city guy. I, I, love, I love the city. I love, I love people. I love buildings. I, I, man, even the traffic, right? I mean, it just, it is what it is, right? Uh, so I'm, listen, but sometimes in my travels, I've had to GPS, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a jam up and it takes you off. Have you, has this ever happened to you? It takes you off to some winding country road. Man, you're like, you're just praying that that GPS is, is like, he's like, he's connected to Jesus somehow, right? Because, because I don't know where I'm at. If that thing stops working, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't know where I'm at. But if you're driving and I'm driving in the middle of the country and, and all of a sudden, I'll look to my right, to the left, and I'm, I'm, there's fields. And I don't know about you, but I, have you ever noticed how straight those, those rows of crops are? How do they do that? I have no idea. I, do you know? Because tell me, because I don't know how they do it. It's a, oh, it's a plow, but it's, it's still straight. I mean, it's like, well, you know what Jesus said? What Jesus said? He said, you know how you do that? By not looking back. Right? You got you to be focused on a, on a, on a target. Right? You got to be focused on something. And that's what he's saying here. Jesus, Jesus knew that two things would happen if he granted this request to this young man, to this man. First of all, he probably would change his mind to follow Jesus when he met his family. Listen, Jewish moms are like Hispanic moms, right? The love they had, mijo, you're going to leave me behind? Or your, your father, your mother, you're going to leave us, right? You know, you know, you know the guilt trip... Listen, I am still going through therapy, okay? I, I, you know, if, you're grown, if you grew up especially in a Cuban home, man, it's like it takes a lifetime to get over that stuff, right? So, 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 so you know, so the guilt trip starts happening, right? And, 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 and so and Jesus knew that that family would try to suck him in, would try to keep him not to go with Jesus. The other possibility would be that maybe the guy would have enough courage to say, okay, mom, you know, I, I got to go. I got to go serve Jesus. But you know what, as I'm, but Jesus knew that as he's over here serving Jesus, what is he thinking about? He's getting homesick. He's missing his, his family. He's, he's missing those home-cooked meals, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, like the, the rice and beans and the, and the lechon, right? Croquetas, pastelitos, right? None of that stuff was out there, right? He's missing all that stuff. And so, so he would get distracted from his calling. The following and staying focused on Jesus is not for, listen to me, for the faint of heart. It, it, listen, following Jesus is not for, it's not easy believing. It's not, it's not for those who, who think that somehow this is a, a cakewalk. It, it, it's not for the faint of heart. Many, listen to me, many well-intentioned people have wiped out in ministry because they got distracted by listening and following others. You're more concerned of what others are saying and not what Jesus is saying. You're not reading your Bible. You're not gleaming what Christ is trying to tell us. Sometimes it's easier to put on the radio or the TV or their podcast. Man, we need to talk to Jesus and it's through his word. 
I personally know of many who have once, were once faithful servants and followers of Jesus Christ and no longer are involved in God's kingdom work. You know them too, don't you? They used to sit right next to you. And they're no longer with us. You see, Jesus made it clear that there may be a high, high cost in following him. And I want to clarify that like those who serve in the military, God doesn't necessarily ask us all to give up our residence, or our reputation, or even our relationships. But please understand, please understand, according to God's word, he has every right to ask, and he may ask. So this morning, I, I wanted to give you an application for this message what is Jesus asking you to do in your service to following Christ? Maybe some of you need to trust Jesus for the first time and place your faith in him. Remembering that our salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. But there is a cost in following. Some of you are believers. Maybe some of you are our Christ followers, are, are Christians, yet you need to take some steps in your journey of faith. Some of you here have never been baptized. And maybe for, for uh, different reasons. Maybe as a child you were baptized. Well, good for you. But did you have a choice in that, in that matter? Do you want to identify with Jesus? Maybe you need to come to the pastors and, and ask for baptisms. Some of you need to join this church. You've been coming here and enjoying, you know, this, this nice, nice uh, uh, room and great preaching and, and comfy environment, yet you haven't joined this army we call Reality Church. And some of you are members, yet you're not serving. Um, it's, time, it's, time, it's time to serve. And, and there's, there's a, there are so much opportunities here to serve Jesus. But here's another group, and this is the one I want to focus on this morning. I believe that God is still in the business of calling men, women, and children to vocational Christian ministry. We've lost the art of believing the next generation. We, we know that there's a, there is a, going to be a glut of churches that have no pastors. Because my generation did a poor job in developing the next generation. So maybe you're there and you've been wrestling with a call. Maybe to, maybe to enter to be a pastor if you're a man or, 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 you, or, you're, or you're a woman, you feel like God's calling you in some kind of service in the church or maybe to be a missionary. I don't know. But I, I gotta believe that God's still calling people. Do you believe that? Could it be you? If it is, don't leave without having a conversation with one of our pastors. I'll be here, Gus will be here, Jordan will be here, Panos will be here, all of us will be here. We love to have a conversation, to begin the conversation, any of these things that God may be working in your life. Will you do that? Amen? Thank you for listening. You've been wonderful. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this uh, just powerful scripture. Lord, I, forgive us, Lord, when... We misunderstand what following you is all about. And so, Lord, I would just pray that today that 
convicted by the Holy Spirit through your word, Lord, that we would respond to your word, that we would not leave here, Father, without sharing with someone what you are saying or doing in, in our lives. So, Lord, thank you that you're still in the business. You're still, uh, you're still uh, 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 love your church and, and want it to expand and for your kingdom to expand. We thank you, Father. We give ourselves to you as best we know how. And this we pray in Jesus. Amen.